Hey, everybody, what's up? It's Jay over at The Hook Rocks. Hope you're ready to listen to the great interview I did earlier this week with Michael Sweet from the band Striper. On the heels of the of their new release this past Friday, September 4th, or last Friday, September 4th, Even the Devil Believes. Great album. The quintessential Striper sound is... Back again. Had a great conversation with Michael. Been a fan of Striper for decades. My my brother brought home the album Soldiers Under Command. It was followed by their big To Hell With The Devil release. And of course, many decades, many years of albums and tours. And the quintessential Striper sound is back. I got to tell you, this album is great. It's a great listen. Albums are starting to trickle out now more as we get towards the end of the year into the beginning of 2021. I mean, it's going to be a little under four months until New Year comes comes knocking in, comes rocking in. 2021, I hope, is a better year than this past year. We should, We soon shall see, right? Hopefully. I mean, we can only go up from here, I guess, right? I mean, we can't get any lower than what we are currently in. I mean, I guess we could, but what is lower? And I don't know if any one of us wants to find out. But Michael talks about a lot of things, talks about the new album, talks about the recording process, asked them some questions on the writing of the album. You'll get to check out his answers here soon. He also spoke about the current political climate in this country, and I found his answers to be really interesting. Definitely some insight into where and how he thinks, why things are happening, and you know, where do we go from here in the, you know, the toxic environment we are in, whether it's just partisanship you know, with your friends and family, people losing friends, people getting divorces because of different views, it's just, it's a mess out there. It really is. When you think about how if your opinion does not align with somebody else's, and maybe, you know, you've done the same thing. I think we're all guilty of it. I think we're all guilty of not listening at certain points of our lives and certain points during this year where we're listening so we can talk instead of listening to learn. There's a huge difference and hopefully you understand that. But when talking with Michael, he shared his views on a lot of things, and you know, him and I are in agreement on the whole stay-in-your-lane viewpoint. You know, Whether you like that person's point of view, they are members of society just like you and me, and it's on us, the individual, to decide whether we want to agree with that person, whether we want to disagree with that person, whether they're an athlete, a musician, an actor, they can say whatever you want. Stop being part of this boycott society because someone voices their opinion. I, I find that just so obnoxious that you're so dug into your opinion. You don't want to hear someone else's in the event that you might learn something. So you'd rather just boycott. I've mentioned on this show before, I disagree with everything Ted Nugent says, but I still love his music. 
I'll still listen to it. Unless someone is causing physical harm or oppression to somebody. Now, if they support someone who you think does that, I, I mean, where does it end? You know, I mean, people are entitled to have their own beliefs and their own opinions without somebody boycotting their stuff. I mean, I see posts on my Twitter feed all day long, you know, whether it's, you know, the NBA having a moment for Black Lives Matter or what the NBA is doing or the NHL or Major League Baseball. I find it just mind-boggling that you're going to turn off a sport that's you've en- that you've enjoyed for s- how many years you've enjoyed it just because you don't like what they're doing. Well, you don't have to like everything. You're not entitled to like everything an organization, a group, a person says or does. Okay? Stop with the entitled mentality. Just move on. Just say, yeah, I disagree with that, but I'm still going to watch. You know? I mean, how does that have an effect on you? It's not directly affecting you. You know, the NHL having their moment, the NBA, you know, doing what they do, football players kneeling for the anthem. How does that have an effect on you directly? It doesn't. Your life will still be the same tomorrow morning when you get up and the same when you go to sleep. It's not going to change. Stop thinking that people can't express themselves outside of your point of view. Stop with the entitled bullshit. Anyway, let's get to the interview. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll like it. Michael was great. Look forward to having him on again. But let's learn to listen, people, instead of just listening so we can hear ourselves talk and express ourselves and point our finger and get our point, our opinions made loud and clear. Let's start coming together. That's what we need to do. And when we do it, we'll be able to get rid of this pandemic a lot quicker than we how we currently are. Y'all have a good weekend. Enjoy the episode. Rock on. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're staying healthy, staying safe. And fall is upon us here in the next week or so. So the change of season is here, even though it's hard to gauge time this year because everything kind of runs together because we've been locked up, cooped up, and doing the same old thing on most days. So we're here for you. We're here to provide rock talk, music talk, and our next guest is Michael Sweet from the band Striper. What's going on, Michael? How are you? I'm well. Just uh, it, it, We're riding the uh, 
We're riding the excitement of the, of the new album, man. We're really, really pumped. A lot of people seem to really dig what they're hearing, and, and the video, the views are up, and you know everyone's buzzing about it. So it's really cool. The new album is "Even the Devil Believes." It was released last Friday. It's the first album with bass player Perry Richardson. Talk about the process. How did this album come about versus the last album, Goddamn Evil? Where was the you know the band direction in this? Well, I mean, of course, we have a new bass player, and uh, he's really changed the dynamic of uh, the band and within the band. You know, he's just a joy to be around, great player, great singer, and we love having him. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of uh, recharged us, so to speak. Not that we necessarily needed recharging, but, you know, we you start to feel as though you're going through the motions sometimes. And uh, you you need to have something, you know, give you that energy back. And Perry's brought a lot of that back into the band. Uh, and it's our first album with him. And, you know, we're really excited for people to hear what we sound like with Perry. And that was in question. People were wondering, like, ah, is it going to be good? Is it going to going to be off? Is it going to sound weird? I think quite the contrary. It's our best album. I think it's our most powerful album, most solid album. And so far, I'm not the only one saying that. I see lots and lots and lots of comments from people that agree with me on that. So it's really cool to see. We're, we're thrilled. Couldn't be happier. This is a really good album. I mean, I checked it out over the weekend after it came out, listened to it several different times, really enjoyed it, brought me back to when it was, when Striper first came out when I was younger back in the mid-80s. has that same type of energy, that same type of vibe. My question to you when putting this album together during these times that we're in, how was that process? Was it was it more challenging? Was it Was it more difficult to have a perspective on what's going on? Believe it or not, it wasn't because I started writing the album mid-December because I wanted to have it written before Christmas. And uh, I did. I, I wrote a song a day. So in 11 days, I had the, the entire album or 12 days. And, um, and then I took the holidays off. I took, uh, you know, I think I finished up on like the 23rd 22nd or 23rd and I uh, took that time all the way through to the first off and then the guys flew out here they got I think they got in uh, to Logan on the 2nd or the 3rd of January and they came into the house and we learned the songs and then we went in and started recording in mid-January. We had all the basics tracked by early February. And that's when we started hearing a lot about the virus. So it didn't affect how we started the album out and how we recorded the basic tracks. What uh, did get uh, hugely and largely affected by the pandemic was the touring for the year. We were supposed to go out and tour and do a bunch of striper shows and a, a solo uh, tour with Tony Harnell, Michael Sweet. That all had to get uh, canceled and or postponed. So the making of the music was just uh, just normal. I mean, I came, the guys went home, we went to Mexico, we played, I came home and I started singing. And, and that's when the pandemic was full-blown quarantine, lockdown, and I was just home singing like I always do. I'm in lockdown mode anyway when I'm singing. So 
So it's nothing new for me. You know, when you were putting this record together, you mentioned it was, you know, during the holidays last year, you started writing it and then you guys record it. And then right before when the pandemic started, you know, you started hearing these things as the, as the album was completed, you know, when you record something in the time frame that you do, and then, you know, we have this, gosh, what do you even call it? You know, this, this, this thing that's never happened before this unprecedented time. And you already have the music written and recorded for this album that you released now you're supposed to do some touring is how does this time t- you know, inspire you is it is there more music that you say well this is what's is connecting with me right now these are the events that are happening because you've already got this one album you know in in the bank waiting for it to be released and then all these things in the world and you guys write a lot of stuff or you write a lot of stuff about what's happening around you you've always done that you know that's what's interesting. It makes it even more unique and very interesting is these lyrics were written pre-pandemic, but they apply to our times so perfectly. It does. It really yeah, does. Yeah, I, I know. And But they were written in December. So, you know, it's almost like I, I feel almost as if God was kind of you know, subconsciously speaking to me or something. I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's weird how it worked out like that because it's as if the lyrics were written during the pandemic, but they weren't. You know, you mentioned, you know, the writing, like I just said, in December, and then, you know, the whole process of putting this together, this album together with, you know, Perry coming on. How did it differ? How did the process differ than previous albums? I'll tell you, the only thing that was different in the process, two things. We had Perry, which was awesome, uh, because this was our first album recording with Perry, so the dynamic was different in a very cool way. Uh, And we mixed remotely. So I got a high-definition feed on my computer, and I listened with studio headphones, and then I had a, a, a camera set up, and I was able to see the engineer, Danny Bernini, and he could see me. And we mixed that way uh, for a week. I, I sat in a chair, and he, he'd, we'd mix a song, and then he'd send me it, and I'd burn a CD and go listen in the car and come back, and, hey, let's bring the guitar solo up a little bit and add a little more delay. Let's do this, do that, do this, do that. And that's how we mixed the whole album. We've never, I've never mixed an album like that before in my life. But I tell you, it was great, actually. It worked. And we may even mix every album like that in the future because there's something to be said for just sitting with headphones, not being in the studio, and then being able to really live with the song. When we're in the studio, it feels a little bit more rushed, and there's not enough time to live with the song. Doing it this way, uh, there's more time to live with the song, and I really enjoyed it. Well, in terms, you know, you mentioned being recharged uh, by Perry's presence. And was there ever a point where, you know, obviously you toured with him the last tour you guys did. You know, he was on the, you know, part of the band prior to you guys recording. So there was some comfort level with each other. But in terms of recording, was there a sense of nervousness or was it confident that this was going to be, you know, the best strip Striper album that you guys have released? Yeah, I was very confident of that. I had no, uh, you know, 
concerns regarding whether it was going to be our best or not. I really did it. Now, Perry, I think, was a little more concerned and nervous than the rest of us because it was his first album with us. So he, I think he was maybe thinking more about, like, am I going to deliver? You know, oh, my gosh, how's this going to go? You know, just being the first time. But he nailed it. I mean, as we knew he would. I mean, he came in and just killed it. All the parts, all the vocals, everything. It was great. So there was no reason to be concerned. And, uh, you know, he proved to to everybody that he's the man for the job. He's the right player. The first two singles, Do One to Others and Make Love Great Again. Make Love Great Again has gotten a little bit of pushback from, you know, the interpretation of what the name uh, stands for and what the name means. What do you feel about that pushback? Is it just a misunderstanding? Is it just people le- reading the title? Kind of like how people read the headline in news and they don't actually read what the article is. How do you feel it's, about it, that? It's a, it, it's a misunderstanding. And even if it was implied or supposed to mean, uh, you know, hey, we support President Donald Trump and this is a song for him, that's our business. And if we want to do that, we'll do it. It's it's not up to uh, anyone else to make that decision. That's our decision. But it wasn't based on that. It, it was just a, a song title that was thrown out there by Perry and uh, Make Rock Great Again is what he threw out. And I thought that was a little cliche. Robert came up with Make God Great Again. And I said, well, you don't have to make God great again. He's always great. And I, I threw love in the, in the mix, and, and that's what we went with. Uh, I think love can always be made better. You know, um, we need to put love first in our society, in our world. And it just so happens that Donald Trump's slogan is make America great again. So people are instantly, uh, you know, they jump on the bandwagon that it's a song, a pro-Trump song, or even some have said it's an anti-Trump song because of the building walls line. But that line is referring to building emotional walls, not physical walls. You know, we see that in our society, and I can't think of a better person to speak to about this in terms of what's going on right now in terms of our country, in terms of the division, in terms of me versus them. It it seems like it keeps growing and festering almost every day, and I don't know if it's partially because of the way things are portrayed in the media. I think that does have a little bit to do with it, but just even our own selves, how we've, like you said, built walls around our, our ourselves we, we don't want to hear different opinions we don't want to hear what other one has to say and we judge people based on their point of view which isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily define what that person is about exactly because that's the mentality not with all people but with many people uh, it's this mentality of once someone from the other side starts to give an explanation ah, i don't want to hear it Ah, la, 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 la. And that's literally the mentality, and that's the way these people react. Like, no, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't care. You're not going to change my views. You're not going to change my mind, even if there are facts presented before them. And I'm talking about both sides. You know, I'm not talking about just one side in particular, both sides. Uh, and that's really sad. We need to somehow overcome our hate because a lot of times we're fighting for hate we're fighting for love and against hate and in the same process we're hating 
we're doing it with a hateful spirit. So that's complete, utter hypocrisy. And we need to take a look at ourselves, look in the mirror, look long and hard, and get that right first. And chances are, you're never going to get that right. So you're going to be just worrying about yourself for the rest of your life. Deal with that first before you try to deal with other people. You know, and it's it's really a bummer to see. And I see it all the time on the news. You know, I can't watch CNN. I can't watch Fox because it's just the same old rubbish over and over again. You know, CNN, Donald Trump will speak and CNN will talk about all the negatives about what he just said and won't discuss one positive, and there were many. And Fox will watch Biden and, you know, jump on the negatives and won't discuss the positives. And it, it, it's mind-boggling. That's just the way it is. So it's it's no wonder we're divided as, as a country, as a nation. You know, when you look at the pandemic and the the biggest thing that everybody has to do is pull together and be together because that's the only way we're going to overcome this. And everyone's like, well, why do we keep having – you know these, you know these cases and these, in these tests and these deaths and everything, and and yeah, you can you can fault and blame certain you know regulation or rules that were not put in place, and you can always go point to that. But the bottom line is, is that usually during the history of our country, we've always pulled together during a moment of crisis, and this is really yep. the first time that we really haven't. And true, and it's just, and if you want to look at a reason why we're still dealing with this, it's. That that's the biggest reason. I agree with you, and and sadly, I think it's our, our generation. You know, you look back on generations of the past, and it was it, it was a different spirit in this country, different mentality. You know, uh, it, it was more, as you said, about coming together uh, and, and getting through the tough times whether it was war or the Great Depression or whatever it was, people would come together. And at least that's what the history books say. You know, I wasn't there. I didn't live it. But, you know, I read it. And now to, to turn on the news every day, you just see chaos, you know, and one group of people going out and lighting buildings on fire and other groups of people going out with guns to try to stop them. And it's insane. Police not being able to do their job and, uh, you know, mayors and governors not allowing the police to do their job. And it's just you, you sit, you're sitting here thinking, what is happening? This is chaos. And it is. Uh, I think we can turn around, but it's going to take a lot. You know, I point to just recent history, uh, 9-11. And, yeah. you know, we, we had a, a, a you know, horrible attack on our country and our president george w bush was able to bring everybody together albeit not forever but for the moment in time that we needed to come together um you know he did that and we did that as people and it was such a pleasant time to have after a tragedy um you know what 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 that felt like and and i think that's what we're missing here and that feeling of just togetherness and say, Hey, we're going to get rid of this together. We're all, all hands on deck and let's, let's get rid of this pandemic. I agree. Now, see, if you say that a lot of people listening and reading are going to instantly, the minute you mention uh, George Bush's name, they're going to say, Oh my gosh, you know, they can't see the good 
because there's so much hate for the man. You know what I mean? Oh, he was the worst president. I mean, I, I meet these people all the time. I, I, I talk to them, and you're just thinking, wow, how sad. You hate someone so much that you can't see the good that they do. You know, and that's the thing about President Donald Trump. I mean, his delivery, the way he delivers, the way he says things is frustrating and aggravating. And I can see how and why it would anger people. He says things and tweets things that make me go, oh, my God, no, you know, but yet he's doing a lot of good things for this country. And, you know, if I say that and it goes live and, and, and people read it. They're going to, I can, I can see the comments right now, you know, me, what a douchebag and what a moron. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. And, you know, how can he say that? And that's ludicrous and that's ridiculous. And, you know, worst president ever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, look at the facts, you know, look at, go, go online. We can all go online and look at the things, the facts on paper that have the things that have been done to try to make this country better. Um, but what overshadows those things is his personality. So people can't see past the hate they have for him as a person to see the good that he's done. And that applies to any president. You know, forget Republican, forget Democrat. I'm not talking about parties here. I'm talking about any president sitting in the White House. That's what they have to go through. And, and because we judge people based on, you know, their look or the way they speak or the way they hold themselves or, you know, instead of looking at what did they really do? Did they do good things or did they do bad things for this country? And, uh, you know, it, it's it's just the way it, the way it's always been and probably the way it's always going to be. Do you think, though, that, you know, when we talk about the language that our president uses, you know, words do matter to a lot of people. Do you think that when he does speak and when he does say things, it, it fans the flames of social discourse, of, you know, we have the riots going on right now in certain cities. We have protests every night in, in places all over the country. Do you think that is necessary? Do you think that, you know, did he... No, I don't. I mean, I think... I, I agree. Yes, the way he speaks and some of the things he says, you know, don't help matters. And that's why I think it's odd that any president has a Twitter account. To me, that just looks it, it takes it instantly it makes the president look uh, unpresidential. It, it, you have a Twitter and an Instagram account that you're actually tweeting on and, and well, you know, those damn North Koreans, we're going to, you know, it's like, it's just weird to me. Weird. It's not the way it should be. Uh, and then especially for our president, Donald Trump, I mean, his, his delivery method is, is not good. You know, he just kind of shoots from the hip and, and says things that may, he may even regret. I don't know. He, he probably doesn't, but I think that there are a lot of things that are, that are said by our president that fan the flames. Absolutely. No question about it. But then again, I also think that aside from how he says something, 
or what he says. People need to look at what he's done to try to make this country better. I do think that he really does care for the, the state of our country and the economy and the health of our people. I do. I believe that. Uh, but he just he says it the wrong way. You know, I do that a lot. I, I, I say things on social media that angers people. You know, I'll post a picture of me with a glass of bourbon and all hell breaks loose. Why do We're you... smoking a cigar and all hell breaks loose. People are like, "Ah, oh, I'm I'm getting rid of my records. I don't I'm not going to follow you anymore. You're not a real Christian, you know." It's, uh, and they throw away all the all the good things that I've done or Striper's done uh, because I'm I smoked a cigar. You know, you you started making music in the 80s and the early 80s. Um, and all through now, and you've seen the change in how people interact with their favorite artists, whether it's Striper, whether it's Motley Crue, whoever it is. And now people right. have the ability to act, have access to them in terms of commenting on what they do in real time. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's an expert. That in itself, I mean, I, I have had to stop reading the comments section in articles on, you know, whether it's, you know, a news article on a, on a, on a, like a Chicago Tribune or, you yep. know, an article because it's just, it's, it just feels like it's the end of the world when you start reading that stuff. Oh, I know. How, I know. How has that changed how you do things? Well, it, it, you got to somehow stay level-headed in it all because if you go online, which I do every day, you're going to read comments that are, are terrible. People, people are just – not all people, but a good portion of people are just nasty. And they, they feel that they have the right to go and say whatever the hell they want to say about anybody. And it's disheartening. It's beyond disheartening. It's just, it, it's just wrong, wrong. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we have the technology and the tools to be able to do that. Every single person out there now has a voice. They didn't 30 years ago, including musicians. You know, it was, there was something to be said for the mystique of uh, musicians and actors. And, you know, like I, I used to love you know, and respect Robert De, Robert De Niro. Now I can't hardly stand to watch him in a movie. You know, <laughs> because the, the the way he comes across to me is just not not a good person. He comes across very nasty to me, and you know, I think that that's technology. We all have a voice. We can go tweet whatever we want and, and put on Instagram whatever we want and. And, you know, I think it's important for us all as people that are in the spotlight, it's important for us to be accountable to our fans, to the people that follow us, you know, do, do something good, be a light in the dark, you know, be positive, uh, you know, help people out instead of tear them down, you know, bring people together instead of separate people. It's a responsibility, and I think we should all be focusing on that uh, with what we have, the, the platforms that we have. On When you have a million followers on Twitter, that's, that's a big deal, man. Use it wisely. You know, we hear also a lot, too, whenever an actor or whenever a musician, athlete, 
says something, it's it's the stay in your lane. You know, stick to this, stick to that. And I uh-huh. and I uh-huh. always push back that because whether they are a musician, an athlete, or an actor, they still are a member of society. Now, I've always believed that when someone expresses their opinion, it's on you, the person that's hearing it, whether to agree with it or whether to just say, oh, okay, that's his opinion. I'm still going to listen to their music. I'm still going to watch them play baseball or football or whatever. Right. You know, I, I still think, I mean, I disagree with everything Ted Nugent says, but I still love Stranglehold. I still love Cat Scratch Fever, and I still, you know, won't stop listening to that. I'm not going to take away the joy I have from his music just because I disagree with everything he says. You know, totally. it's up to me, the individual, to, you know, m- take meaning in what that person says and decide whether or not I, I care to, to, to listen to it. No, I get it. And, and that's a different side of what I was referring to earlier when I was talking about De Niro specifically. Yeah. It's, it's perfectly fine and great to have to express your opinion and your views. Uh, and I think Nugent does it in, in almost a – it's almost comical to, to hear him talk. Like he makes me laugh when I – I enjoy watching him talk and hearing him talk. Even though I don't agree with a lot of what he does, too. I'm not a hunter. I never have been, never will be. He's an avid hunter. But it's just the way he puts his words together and everything. But then there are other people that just don't do it with class. They do it at a whole different level that's really down there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that those are the people, without naming names, I named one, obviously, that just kind of make me say, okay, you know, I, I I kind of lost respect for that person. Um, there's a handful of them, but you know, I'm all about, I'm all for people expressing their views and their opinions. I do it every day on social media, you know, but I try to do so with, uh, respect. You know, I, I, I never go into it in a disrespectful manner of saying, yeah, all you other morons out there that don't believe what we believe you better get your act together you know what i mean i i never take that approach that's where i draw the line and i i lose respect for people that have that mentality and that attitude like f you all you clowns out there that voted for trump or you know it's it's just that's a whole different thing in my opinion well, there are people that say things for clickbait. You know, they 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 say things yeah. on the on the red carpet because they know it's going to get them views on social media. And there are people that walk the walk and talk the talk. You know, they 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 don't just say right. words; they actually do things. I mean, I I interviewed; I had the pleasure of interviewing George Lynch a couple of weeks ago, and he has a yeah. lot of opinions too. But here's a man that's oh, been yeah. that's been part of. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't know anything about George Lynch's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but he, he's been active in protest. He does a lot of things with the Native Americans. He does walk the walk. So when he says something, there's a little bit of weight behind it. There's a there is weight behind it, and you know, versus someone well, who just it, says it, something that for for a click and and some views. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but you know, George was a Christian at one time. Yeah, he was he was a born again Christian and went door to door and played on the the worship team and did that whole thing. I'm not sure. I know a little bit about what made him turn away from uh from that but you know i think it's interesting because he i guess he considers himself a free thinker uh slash atheist and i'm a christian you know and we're we're working together and we we make good music together and i think we're a good example of how you can work together despite your differences 
I was hoping that we would get to that because that's a great example of two individuals at the different at both ends of the spectrum working together making great music. I love the Sweet Lynch stuff that you guys have done. I hope that there's more, but yes, that's a great example. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing we couldn't overcome two things was the budget uh you know, the budgets keep coming down, down, down. And the way I like to do things, I don't like to compromise the quality. And if I feel we're starting to do that too much, I'll bow out. I'd rather not do a project if, if we're going to go into it with a $30,000 budget and, you know, have to get this guy on drums and that guy on bass and we can't do it the right way. Uh, but it looks like we're we're going to be moving forward on another Sweet Lynch album and um, and get it done uh, next year or pr- probably February March uh, April of next year I think we start on it and uh, it's going to be awesome you know we're gonna we're gonna make another one it's going to be done a little different from the first two in terms of players and um, the way it's it's put together but. It's going to be a great album, and we're both really excited about it. I love working with George. You know, he's one of my favorite players, uh, always has been, and uh, you know, it's always a thrill uh, to be able to work with him. As we close here, what is the future, or does, does Striper have a plan for when things open up and begin once again? Uh, we do. I mean, right now we, we've got the record that's out. Uh, we're doing virtual, uh, meet and greets, virtual listening parties, and then also virtual breaking down the song where we take people into the studio. We're going to be doing a lot of that stuff over the next, uh, three to four or five, six months. And then, uh, I've got a number of projects I'm wrapping up. One with Tracy Guns, uh, vocals. I'm doing Sunbomb. I uh, started a new album with Joel Oakstra and Nathan James on Frontiers after the start of the year. And then we're going to jump right into a Sweet Lynch album. And then Striper's going to tour. We're going to tour. We're going to Australia. We've got some U.S. dates on the books next year. Now, you know, that could change. We'll have to see what happens with this pandemic. And if things escalate again and take off, then obviously it's going to change everybody's world uh, and plans. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, you're never going to stop music. You're never going to stop Striper. I mean, we're, we're going to keep moving forward and doing what we do and what we love to do. And there's a lot left in us, and I think the best is yet to come. I really do. Well, Michael, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you doing this. I still remember my brother bringing home Soldiers Under Command and uh, just being so immersed in, in that record when I was a kid. This is a, a great uh, treat for me, and I appreciate you doing it. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. I hope you enjoy the album, and we'll see you soon out there on the road, I hope. Well, thanks again, Michael. Once again, this is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Okay, brother. Take care. God bless.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 